wasabi wallet. Unfairly private. Huddle that Bitcoin. What's up, everyone? I am Ben with the BTC Sessions. Uh, as many of you know, I've been working with a company called Leaden for the better part of a year now. Um, and uh, they do a lot of great things uh, that help Bitcoiners huddle their, huddle their Bitcoin while still being able to gain access to the liquidity of their Bitcoin and, and be able to get their hands on dollars and things like that at savings accounts, all kinds of great things. Um, but they're, they're diving into a new venture now. Um, and it's, it's pretty interesting to me, especially with uh, a lot of the stuff that's happening in the world right now and kind of the, the macro overview of, of uh, a lot of economies around the world. Um, and I wanted to have these guys on to chat about what's happening and what they're building here. Uh, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to toss it to these gentlemen to introduce themselves. Guys, uh, I will, I'll do it one by one here, but if you could take a quick, uh, two minutes, introduce yourself, uh, where you're from, what you do. Um, so I guess I will, uh, I'll, I'll toss it to Adam first. Uh, you can take the floor. Hey guys, uh, Adam Reeds here, co-founder and CEO of uh, Ledin. Uh, thanks a lot, Ben, uh, for having uh, us on today. Um, really, um, obviously, you've had Mauricio on the show before. So uh, Mauricio and I co-founded co Ledin uh, several years ago and have grown it uh, to really uh, stay true to one mission is helping more people save uh, in Bitcoin. And today we're, we're brought in there to be digital assets. And uh, so, you know, I think Ledin, all the things we do is, is with that exact mission is helping people save in assets that are frictionless and digital. Uh, and um, you know, we're, we're proud to announce a collaboration today with, with Genesis. And uh, Genesis is a company that we've gotten to know uh, very well over the past year and uh, had been working with them on different products already. And, and really what we're, um, the, the essos of, of Ledin is we wanna be transparent in everything we do. And uh, part of this announcement is adding transparency to our partners and what's actually being uh, done with the, the coins that are sitting with the platform. And, and a question that we get asked a lot, uh, but we're very excited to clarify that with uh, this product announcement as well as other pieces of our business. So I won't take up too much time. I wanna pass it off to Matt and uh, I'm sure you're all anxious to know uh, more about Genesis if you haven't already heard of them, they're massive. Awesome, awesome. We'll pass it to Matthew, quick intro, let us know who you are, what you do. Sure, hey guys, how's it going? Um, Matt from Genesis. Um, I am a VP and run the originations and lending desk at, uh, at Genesis. Um, I joined about three years ago to kind of solely focus on building out this business. Um, so we originally, Genesis originally started as kind of just an OTC trading desk. We're wholly owned by a company called Digital Currency Group, who is one of the largest venture investors in the space, um, run by a man named Barry Silbert. Um, and so we started as a trading business. We um, spawned the lending desk in March of 2018. Um, and are now probably the largest institutional lender in the digital asset space. Um, so we have roughly, um, you know, close to a billion dollars in active loans today. Um, and we've done about 6 billion in origination since we've started. Wow. <laughs> so impressive numbers there. Okay. Um, so I guess we're, we're going to uh, get right down to it. Um, maybe I'll, I'll defer to Adam here as to kind of what you guys are building out now. So you previously had the savings, uh, you had the, the Bitcoin backed loans, you had your B2X offering. What is, is new in the pipeline now, or I guess being launched now? Um, and and uh, who's it for? What does it do? Just kind of toss it all out there. 
Yeah, so we're launching a USDC savings account. So it works uh, almost in an identical fashion to our existing uh, Bitcoin savings account, but the asset is different. So uh, USDC, for those that aren't aware, it's uh, the largest of the regulated stable coins. So te Tether is the largest by, by market cap, but USDC is next. And uh, USDC has a lot of credibility uh, because of the fact that it is uh, backed by regulated institutions. And uh, it's used uh, very frequently in, in uh, for um, hedge funds and, and traders looking to go back and forth in between uh, Bitcoin. And the other uh, really key uh, attribute of it for those that are holding hodling it or holding it uh, is that it's tied one-to-one uh, -to, -one to the U.S. dollar. So it has the stability of the dollar. And really over the past several months, especially in the climate that we were in, we've got very excited about it because although we're all, we're all Bitcoiners by heart, we really see a transition. And uh, the world uh, today very much still uh, runs on dollars. And I think we, we often say uh, within the Latin team that the U.S. dollar has won the, the branding war on on currency as much as sometimes that pains me as a, as a Canadian. Uh, I know that um, the U.S. dollar is, is very much the, the global currency and um, uh, especially within our base within Latin America. Uh, we, ha we had a lot of requests uh, for offering a stable coin account uh, just because of the uh, the frictionless nature that it provides and that, uh, you know, as, as I said, the price stability that you don't have to be concerned about how, how it's trading that day. You know that it always has that one-to-one -one back. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to see um, kind of the, the implications of what's happening globally uh, in, in relation to, I mean, unprecedented money printing, but uh, you, you would think you'd see uh, a lot of inflation with the U.S. dollar, but, uh, but currently what we're seeing is kind of the inverse because there's a bit of a, a liquidity crunch, a cash crunch, where given that the U.S. dollar is, is the global reserve currency, there's actually a, a, a shortage of dollars. And so we're seeing global currencies external to the U.S. dollar actually drop versus the dollar and the dollar actually uh, retaining, if not gaining purchasing power, um, at least in the short term here. And so is that kind of, a, a, you know, a, obviously not the entirety of the reason, but like part of the reason why USDC is kind of, uh, you, you wanted to offer that option to people? Yeah, completely. Two two reasons. So one is that exact one that you just mentioned. So the 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 uh, devaluing of currencies in comparison to the USD. So we saw it a little bit in in Canada even. Uh, you know, from pre and post COVID, the you know, Canadian dollar depreciated by about seven percent. Uh, but in Latin America, it's massive. So uh, Mexico's currency has gone down uh, by twenty percent. Uh, uh, the Argentinian peso has gone down by thirty percent. So. Uh, imagine that within only a few months, you know, your savings just being you know, obliterated. So one, uh, this provides a transition into a U.S. dollar backed uh, asset. And uh, two, and equally exciting, is the interest rate that we can pay uh, because of the, the use cases that um, Matt can speak about uh, is very exciting as well. We're launching it with a 7.5% a uh, APY interest rate, which uh, is incredibly attractive uh, for the market and climate that we're in. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's insane. Like you think of, I mean, there's, there's banks around the world that are starting to go negative interest rates in some cases and uh, to, to see that kind of a return. Um, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll defer to Matt here a little bit, but um, what is the reasoning behind, uh, I, I guess, maybe if you want to speak to it as to why this is unavailable with traditional savings accounts versus what you guys can do. Like, what are you doing with the coins? What's the process of lending out? Um, and if you feel like contrasting with the kind of the, the, the global 
macro backdrop of why that's not happening regularly for people with their savings accounts. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to happy to uh, kind of give commentary on this. So, you know, just for some background, Genesis, you know, we're we're really focused on lending to uh, the institutional players in the space. Um, so these are the you know large trading firms, the large hedge funds, um, and other corporations that might kind of have their operations centered around Bitcoin or USDC uh, or other stablecoin. Um, and so, um, you know, we're really only facing about 50 or so um, counterparties. And so we've gotten to know them pretty intimately. We understand their use cases and we take the time to really, um, you know, kind of get into the weeds to understand what it is that they actually need the capital for, which obviously helps us kind of get an understanding of the trade. Um, and so the, part of the reason, like why, you know, why there's such a demand for USDC, um, you know, I think there's really three reasons. So one um, is when you're in a bull market, a lot of the institutions want to be able to get leverage on their existing long positions. So they, they might be holding BTC um, and they want to be able to borrow cash or USDC against that position to kind of increase their holdings um, on their existing holdings. Um, the second is really uh, for trading working capital. And so this is one that's not as obvious. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of, because of how kind of inefficient uh, crypto market structure can be on the, and especially trading infrastructure, there's a lot of arbitrage opportunity that kind of sits in the middle. Um, and so if you're an experienced quantitative hedge fund or, or sophisticated trading firm, you can really use that capital to exploit those differences and kind of arbitrage opportunities in the market. Um, yet they're not really taking a directional position. So an example of this would be a trading firm that sees that, you know, uh, futures might be trading well above the spot market. And so they might not have a long bias or short bias, but they want to basically borrow cash to go buy spot and actually sell the future, capturing the basis or premium that exists between those markets. And so we can kind of understand what our borrowers are doing with the cash, realize that they're not actually taking, you know, a long position or a short position, but they're really just kind of capturing the arbitrage or the inefficiency that exists within the market space. And there's a lot of demand for trades like that. You know, it also might go towards market makers that are just posting, you know, bids and offers on exchanges and they want to kind of provide more liquidity to the space and actually increase volumes across exchanges. Um, so that's kind of the second use case. Um, and the third would be just other corporations that kind of have their operations um, centered around Bitcoin or stablecoin where they just kind of need working capital to run their business. So an example here could be, and this is more on the Bitcoin side, but this could be like um, a remittance company or ATM company where um, people will use their platform and they actually have obligations to send Bitcoin out, whether it's an ATM company or a remittance firm. Um, and so they'll actually borrow BTC from Genesis just as float for a day or two to make those settlements. And then when they get the payment from their borrower or from their, their uh, user, they basically replenish that with Genesis. Um, so that's, that's kind of the third example. Um, so th there's kind of all these interesting um, use cases in crypto that don't really exist in traditional financial markets because they've been around for much longer. They're much more efficient. Um, there's a lot more kind of cash in the system already squeezing out some of those opportunities that exist today in crypto. So the more cash we can kind of bring into the market, you know, the, the better, you know, kind of running the, these markets will be. It kind of sounds like it's, it's helping contribute to hitting a bit of a, a, an equilibrium. Cause again, like you said, you, you wouldn't see, uh, the, the types of arbitrage opportunities in, in traditional markets, typically that you see in, in cryptocurrency, because, you know, you'll look at one exchange and the, the price is way off sometimes. And, yeah. and, and I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely, it's not quite the wild west anymore, but there's still is definitely hasn't yet come into its own and become like a really mature market, but it sounds like this is helping to try and establish that. 
Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And it's great because, you know, you know, we're, this is why we're super excited to partner with Ledin and that, you know, it, it offers a great yield to investors. Um, and then, you know, using Genesis's kind of risk management and tenor in the space and understanding of the market structure and the relationships we've built, you know, we can do this and basically provide really good risk adjusted returns for investors that want yield on cash. Um, and so we've been doing it for a while. The model's tested. Um, we've managed this through very high volatile periods. Um, and so because of those inefficiencies that we just talked about, you know, it's a really good time for, for folks that are sitting on, um, you know, USD to, to start earning on that uh, via USDC. Um, so I guess uh, I'll, I'll defer to Adam here then. Um, who is, the, is there like a primary market that you're targeting this towards? I guess what I'm, what I'm trying to get is, um, obviously there's, there's the, the Latin American use case, which I'd like to dive into a little bit more, but, um, your, your typical Bitcoiner, do you see this as something that they, they may be interested in? Is this, and what kind of, uh, if yes, then what kind of a use case do you see that as like, what, what, what Bitcoiner looks and goes, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to dabble in this. I'm going to hold some Bitcoin. Like what's, what's your typical use case or what are you seeing um, interest wise from that? Yeah, I'd say broadly, like Bitcoiners are smart people. Uh, so they, they're financially savvy. And uh, what, what this offers is different. So, uh, we hope people uh, try it. I can reference like a Canadian, for example, you know, this allows you to have US dollars in your portfolio or US dollar backed equivalency in your portfolio. So now you have Canadian dollar savings, you have Bitcoin savings, and it's a way to get a, a very attractive US dollar based yield. Um, and so I think that that's a use case in, a, in, in Canada. If I can talk about uh, the developing economies, the good thing is it's open for any amounts. Uh, so when we set up the account, we specifically designed it so there's no minimums. Uh, you can put $1 of uh, USDC in the account if you'd like to, um, you know, and it scales up to there's, there's no maximums either. So there's no mins, there's no max, and there's no uh, set tenures. So you don't have the typical, okay, if you commit for X amount of time, you get this amount and a complicated structure. We really want to set this up to be as uh, simple as possible um, and for people to really uh, test it. And I think we'll see uh, people uh, try a little bit, get comfortable with the service, uh, increase it um, over time. And uh, the other thing we wanted to make sure to do is uh, make it easy for people to get access to USDC. So in different markets, we're setting up uh, different uh, onboarding partners. I can give a shout out uh, in Canada to Patri. Uh, they're a partner that we're setting up where you can go uh, send e-transfers to buy stable coins. And uh, in, in other markets, uh, in, in Mexico, for example, we're partnering with uh, Solidus and um, other areas throughout LATAM. Uh, so we want to make it really easy so that people uh, can, can get right into the ecosystem. And then we hope to, once people get, you know, maybe you can get a non-coiner into USDC because it's closer to, in their minds, closer to traditional cash uh, than Bitcoin. And then from there, they become a Bitcoiner. So I think there's a lot of things that this helps uh, in the ecosystem and, and we're excited about it. That's an interesting angle, actually. I hadn't thought of that where, you know, you have your traditional, uh, your, your traditional retail kind of individual that, that they're not getting any return on their savings account. Um, they're maybe a little shy to dive into investing in equities and stuff like that, but they do want a little bit of a return on their, on their dollars. They want something a little bit more stable, but they want, you know, just to see their money kind of working for them over the course of the year. Maybe they're not uh, yet down the Bitcoin rabbit hole, uh, but they see that they can get a pretty 
damn attractive interest rate on on holding uh, uh, you know the global reserve currency that maybe I, I don't want to use the term Trojan horse because that that it sounds malicious where this is not um, but it's it's a way to kind of plant that seed where somebody goes okay I'm I'm interested in this and then they they see Bitcoin and they they start reading and they start learning about well, well what is Bitcoin why is it here what was the the why was it even created in the first place and what is sound money they get down that rabbit hole they really start really start learning and so um, it's almost a, a, a different way of of orange pilling people <laughs> to come into exactly Bitcoin. yeah yeah that's cool so um, now I, I did want to, and this could go to either of you, but I did want to touch a, a little bit more on on the Latin American side of things. What what exactly is is contributing um, to this need uh, down there? Like you were talking about, the currencies being devalued. What's what's happening on the ground there? That's that's really causing these these problems. Um, that's contributing to to people's currencies being devalued. Like I, like Argentina. Uh, I'm looking at the number here that I had. What over 50% change in in what is this since March? Is that correct? Yeah, that uh, I think it's actually 30. That's the increase from uh, the nominal rate in uh, Argentine pesos to the current nominal rate. I think if you look at the devaluation, it's about 30% because mm -hmm. it's just the inverse of that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, you look, I'm, I'm not a, uh, I guess, global economist, so I don't want to overstate my, my knowledge of the, of this subject area, but, uh, mm -hmm. I think, I think, uh, generally it's, it's lack of, of trust in, uh, the government backed currency and, 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 uh, you know, history kind of repeats itself. So I think Argentina has been through some crisis, uh, before with their currency, uh, you know, anytime you have uncertainty then, uh, and now there's, it's, it's, it's becoming more and more, uh, frictionless, like our USDC account to move money in into these products and into the dollars. So I think uh, when when you know one is going to be around and the other one you're just not certain of, you'll you'll take that current exchange rate jump to go in, and the more people that move over, it just kind of spirals. So um, you know, I think that you know, from speaking to Mauricio day every day, the uh, situation in in Venezuela is of course quite different than than Argentina. Uh, you know, unfortunately. Uh, but, um, you know, it, it, again, just general lack of trust in, in local currencies. Right. Yeah. Matt, I'm not sure if you, you have anything to add. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think, I think you summed it up perfectly. Um, yeah, and totally agree with that. I think there's just a history of mistrust in, in kind of governments in the Latin American region. And um, now is a better time than any to, you know, have a product that basically gets you access to, you know, the U.S. dollar, but, you know, uh, on the blockchain. So I think it's just there, it's a great time to, to kind of offer a product like this. Um, and I think it's going to get a lot of traction. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was going to say it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, now that, that money is, is kind of starting to very much become speech itself and, and become literally just lines of code. And it's kind of breaking down these barriers and giving access to, to people to, um, stores of value and, and places to put their wealth that they had no access to before. And, and again, Adam, you were saying that you can, you can have as, as low as a dollar in, in one of these accounts, which again, opens it up to people that, that had no real feasible way of actually saving and preserving their wealth, or, or it was very difficult to do so before. Um, now maybe not, not so much. Uh, and so it's, it's, 
do you see this this kind of freight train of innovation continuing? Do you see this um, this kind of globally giving people access to to sounder stores of wealth? And and if so, what what happens? What happens then? Like, do governments have to reconsider their their monetary policies? Do we see change in policy, it, uh, or is it just the it trends towards the soundest money like do you <laughs> i mean i know i know you you don't want to fully fully dive in macro but i mean are you seeing trends are you seeing interesting things of of people's uh behaviors given this new access to putting their wealth in in new vehicles you want to jump on that one Matt? yeah sure thing um, so I, I think like, you know, fr from, from our perspective, there's really like a spectrum of, you know, a certain country's monetary regime, um, where that is from, a, you know, on the spectrum of, you know, um, misguided, uh, heavy inflation, you know, history of mistrust versus um, the opposite. Um, and so I think, you know, in, in the countries and, and kind of regions that are on the, the end of the spectrum where they really don't, you know, are starting to kind of lose trust in the system and lose trust in their government they're going to be more adopting of um, Bitcoin, um, you know, as Bitcoin really is, you know, in our, in our minds, you know, the hedge against, um, you know, inflation, um, kind of, um, you know, tight controls from a monetary perspective. And so I think it's going to start in the regions that kind of have, um, you know, a rich history and kind of dealing with that and, and that have been on the losing end of that. Um, and then obviously, you know, might not immediately see the adoption in, in the US, you know, in terms of like investors pouring into Bitcoin there and the actual practical use cases of it as a hedge against the US government and the printing of money, even though we obviously did just pump two, two trillion dollars into the system, mm -hmm. you know, there's still a level of trust in the, in the US government and the US dollar that's going to take a lot longer to play out from a hedge against that perspective versus some of these other developing, you know, uh, regimes and, and nations. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely uh, interesting to see how this plays out. It seems like um, it's all it's almost like you guys have have kind of set up a, a a roadmap of stops along the way to Bitcoin, <laughs> so, so leading leading people down the path. You can visit this train station and that train station, and then the yeah, last the, bread, the last the stop. Is, yeah, yeah. The last stop is Bitcoin land. So yeah, but it does seem exactly. like there's a there's a flow of of you know exiting perhaps hyperinflationary uh, situations into sounder and sounder money. And uh, I mean, we've seen it play out over uh, the headlines. Um, you have major hedge funds and investors that are, are now picking up Bitcoin as, as a direct response to even monetary policy in the U.S. because they're looking beyond uh, what, you know, the current situation to what the potential future situation down the road could be. Um, yeah, and it seems like you guys have just kind of said, uh, like, start here, <laughs> and then kind of those stops to get to get to Bitcoin. So it's it's really cool to see. Um, now, I did want to touch uh, to obviously, you know, we've we've talked about the potential positives here. I did want to uh, touch on any potential risks in using this because obviously everybody's going to have questions about like what what are my risk factors here what happens when i put money in um you know what what guarantees do i have what guarantees do i not have what do i need to consider when i'm when i'm utilizing a product like this so i'll, I'll toss it up to either of you like what what yeah. uh, what would you like to touch on here 
So I, I can talk about the flow of how the, the USCC and Bitcoin comes in, and then I can pass it off to Matt to talk about the boring, uh, the boring and lending activity. Uh, so I think when you create a, a USDC or Bitcoin account on, on Ledin, uh, specifically around the savings accounts, but it's similar on the loan side, everyone has their unique uh, deposit address. Uh, so that's generated directly uh, through our custodian with BitGo directly in cold storage. So if you deposit uh, USDC onto Ledin, it's going into a direct cold storage um, Bitco address that's insured by Bitco's overall policy. Uh, then when we have enough aggregated, we uh, move it over in, in individual loans to uh, Genesis and uh, uh, loan the, the portfolio or the, the uh, uh, loan, the available float uh, to them. And then I'll pass it to Matt to talk about the actual activity uh, when it's being borrowed, but that's the flow just as it stays within the lead and ecosystem, it is uh, secured and insured in there. That's great. And then, you know, basically when, when kind of Genesis takes over that capital, um, you know, it really kind of runs right through our risk framework. So that starts with just kind of who we're doing business with. Um, like I've mentioned previously, you know, we're, we're an institutional focused firm. So we're only dealing with really large organizations. Uh, these are some of the largest trading firms, hedge funds and corporations in the space. Um, we're, we're really kind of selective in who we do business with. Um, and we have a very robust underwriting and kind of risk management system. Um, so the first part of that is, you know, doing kind of a full assessment of, um, you know, who, who that borrower might be, um, you know, what, what kind of firm are they, what does their history look like, who's, what does their management team look like, um, all the way through, you know, getting access to their financial statements and understanding how well they're capitalized as an entity, how much cash do they have in the bank. Um, and then obviously sizing the loans that we make to these counterparties, um, you know, in the right way based on kind of all, all of those qualitative inputs. Um, and then from there, obviously, we have a very robust kind of collateral management system as well. Um, and so when we make, you know, USDC loans, we're getting kind of, you know, collateral in BTC or ETH um, or other crypto assets that, um, you know, we can kind of value um, at a level that's oversecured. And so um, once those collateral assets come in, we're basically looking at that live time and we're saying, okay, as prices move around, you know, we can automatically ask for more collateral or force liquidate positions. And so we're never really in a position where we can be at a loss. Um, and so we've kind of built out tech and, um, you know, and our, our engineering team has kind of built a really great suite of products for us to manage that lifetime. Um, and, you know, we put that through obviously stress tests in the live environment. We've been through some serious um, drawdowns in price. Uh, we've been operating for about um, two years now and we've had no capital losses, no defaults uh, and no delinquencies. Um, and so, you know, running a billion, roughly a billion dollar book, you know, while, while kind of keeping a very clean sheet like that has been a huge success for us. And, you know, we, we do feel like our risk management process is, is definitely our, our strong suit. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we're going to obviously continue to invest in that. Um, and we're, I'm sure we're going to have more stress tests like we've had in the past, with, you know, high volatile times. And so getting this right has been something we've, you know, we've, we've spent uh, a lot of capital and time on. So how little sleep did you guys get during that mid-March dump? <laughs> yeah, I would say it was a very, um, very focused period of time, a lot of late <laughs> nights, uh, but it was really good stress test for us. Obviously, we needed our operations team to be working, um, you know, at, at its peak, we needed our risk management systems to be working. Um, so everything on both the human capital side and the technology side went really well. Um, we faced, um, like I said, no defaults, no delinquencies, a very orderly kind of um, deleveraging period of time. Um, so working kind of hand in hand with our borrowers to right-sized positions, get more capital in the door, meet our obligations. Um, so like I said, it was, it was super, super focused period of time, no doubt, but um, it went really well. And we're, we're really kind of confident now coming out of that period um, in what we've built. 
uh, and who we're working with. Now, I, it's very interesting that I, I just wanted to touch on in contrast, because you guys very much, uh, you, you straddle the line of, of traditional finance and this kind of new upcoming like Bitcoin economy. And, and so I'm sure like part of it I wanted to touch on on the, the regulatory hurdles and, and what you're faced with. But the, before I wanted to dive into that, um, I wanted to ask about uh, kind of your, your risk management um, and how that's treated differently, given that you're dealing with, especially in terms of Bitcoin, uh, that you're, you will be dealing with assets that are indeed finite and, and you know, you don't have, like if, if, if shit goes sideways, frankly, there's no central bank, there's no lender of last resort. So, so how does that affect your risk management when dealing with said assets? Are you a lot more strict and, and have kind of uh, uh, more interesting ways of, of dealing with that um, when, again, like margin calls happen? Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, anytime we're, we're kind of lending out um, dollars for Bitcoin, you know, we're, we're pretty conservative on the collateral ratios that, that we can accept. And so a lot of the times, you know, we're, we're basically in a position where we have enough collateral on hand to face a 50% move in price before, you know, there's the possibility of us going, um, you know, underwater, not having enough capital from that borrower. But obviously, before we get there, we have, you know, automatic kind of trigger levels where our borrowers are getting notice saying, hey, we need more capital in this amount of time period. Otherwise, Genesis basically has the right to then protect the firm, protect, obviously, our uh, lenders and close that position out. Um, and then, you know, having and being very close and set up to one of the largest OGC trading desks in the space through our other entity, Genesis Trading, it gives us that liquidity and ability to quickly close positions, even in really large size. Um, and so, you know, the, the kind of combination between having that access to liquidity, having kind of the, the, you know, conservative levels of collateral that we've set, and then also like a really good kind of understanding of what our counterparties are doing, where their exposures might be, uh, how much capital they have to back up those positions, kind of you know, it puts us in a really good spot to, to kind of manage through that um, pretty well. Awesome. And then I guess I'll, I'll, I'll ask Adam you as well, um, given that you guys, again, based, based in Canada, based in Toronto, um, as, as a, a firm doing what you do, uh, what, kind of, what kind of regulations and, and assurances are demanded of you in order to offer these types of services? Yeah, sure. So it's, it's really broken down into the different activities. So and, it, and it's jurisdictional. So we actually do a, a lot of work in following the, the compliance in both uh, Canada, obviously being based in Canada, as well as each each country that uh, our, our customers or clients are, are resident in. Uh, so it's, it's a lot of work uh, keeping up with everything, but it's really activity based. So uh, for lending, say there's different active uh, requirements then uh, for the activities surrounding Bitcoin. So uh, the broad one is all of our clients are, are KYC, uh, for, for better or worse, I know uh, that has d different views in the Bitcoin community, but it's, it's part of uh, uh, following regulations. Uh, we, ha we have to do it. So we, we KYC every client regardless of the amount. And then the, the lending rules are, are, are just are, are state by state or province by province and uh, um, very, very specific. So an example I always use uh, is, um, let's say that uh, the state of... Um, Pennsylvania, uh, in that state, you have to be above uh, above loans above uh, fifty thousand dollars do not require a license uh, to lend, and loans below fifty thousand dollars do. 
in, in Canadian provinces, uh, there's no specific lending licenses, but we do need uh, to still follow KYC and AML rules. So there's, there's a waft of different uh, pieces de depending on the activity and we, and we follow them very closely. This is very intricate. You've got your work cut out for you then. Yeah, and we, and we have a chief compliance officer that uh, that's his, his full-time job, so. Awesome, awesome. Um, now, uh, before we kind of to, to wrap here, um, is there anything else that you guys wanted to touch on in relation to, uh, in relation to the, the, what you're building here, um, whether it be specific to a, a certain area of the globe or, or just blanket, um, but Adam or, or Matthew, if you guys wanted to touch on anything else, uh, now's the time. <laughs> I just ended off with saying, you know, we're very excited to launch this product. Uh, Genesis is, is an amazing partner and we couldn't be more uh, thrilled to launch it in collaboration with them. Uh, we are very focused on making the product e simple and easy to use. And as always, if you have any suggestions on how we can do better, uh, please feel free to reach out. Uh, we're working hard to build uh, products that uh, uh, make Bitcoin and other digital assets easier and, and simpler to use. Awesome. Matt, I'll, I'll toss it to you if you have any, any uh, parting words that you want to touch on yeah no absolutely i think I, I echo adam's sentiment there you know we're super thrilled to be working with with adam and his team you know we think they've done an awesome job so far just building a great product um and 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 you know uh having the right people to kind of lead this effort um you know and we think it's just a great kind of uh, synergy uh and, and partnership here you know we're we've been in the space for a long time doing this um you know we understand the nuances of it and we're happy to kind of help provide that expertise understanding of the market structure uh, to a product we think is going to do really well. So um, we think this is a great opportunity and um, we're super excited to be part of it. Awesome. Um, and and uh, I guess before I, I wrap one last time, um, Adam, can you let everybody know, uh, obviously I'll have the links down below, but can you uh, let everybody know uh, where to find you and, and Ledin, whether it be social media, uh, whatever else you want to toss out there? Of course, yeah. Uh, Ledin is uh, ledin.io. Uh, my Twitter is Adam Reads, uh, all just one word, and Ledin's Twitter is Hoddle with Ledin. Awesome. And Matt, you? Um, cool. Yeah, our, our website is just genesiscap.co. Um, our um, Twitter handle is at gen underscore capital. Um, so you can you can find us there. Awesome. Awesome. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for chatting. Um, I'm sure there'll be questions in the comments and everything. Uh, this will be going out audio only as well on the podcast. But uh, as always, I, I hope you guys really enjoyed this um, and be sure to leave any questions and or comments down below and, uh, and I'll try to hit on them next time I have you guys on, which I, I would love to do anytime. So thanks guys. Perfect. Awesome. Thanks, thanks so much, Ben. Really appreciate, appreciate it. it. Cheers. Thank you guys so much for watching. As always, if you are here on YouTube, please do remember to hit like, subscribe, and share. Uh, but also, if you're here on YouTube, then please do check out my other platforms that I stream to. I'm on Twitch. I'm on Facebook. I stream live to Twitter, uh, DLive, Library, a whole bunch of different places. Also, there's audio-only versions of the podcast on pretty much any podcast platform that you subscribe to. Uh, outside of that, if you want to help with the show in another way, you can hit up Ledin down below. There's a link there where if you opt to get a Bitcoin back loan with them, they will give you $50 worth of Bitcoin for free. And uh, secondly, there is a, a link for Ledger, a hardware wallet device that helps you secure your Bitcoin. It's always good to, if you're holding Bitcoin in your own custody, to make sure it's not on a hot uh, internet connected device. So be sure to check that out. And other than that, I've also got some other links 
uh, where you can buy and sell Bitcoin in Canada and a bunch of other useful things that you may find helpful. And if you really liked what you saw, you can always drop me a lightning network tip at my tippin.me page. That's tippin.me slash at BTC sessions. And with that, I'm out. Have yourself a wonderful evening, a wonderful weekend, and I will see you next time for your daily session.